Welcome to Data Hurdles, a weekly podcast where we explore the impacts data and technology have on our day-to-day lives. My name is Michael Burke. And I'm Chris Detzel. All right, welcome to another Data Hurdles. I'm Chris Detzel and... I'm Michael Burke. And today we have Christoph back again from Data Blend. How are you, Christoph? Hey, good, Mike. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, another data and- company. And I hear we're talking about an exciting and recent event at a company outside of Data Blend. Uh, kick it off, Christoph. Let's hear more about what we're diving into today. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw in the news, um, but there's a pretty big breach uh, recently at this company, 3CX, um, which I actually wasn't familiar with until uh, this broke about a week ago. Uh, but they're a VoIP. Uh, company, so they provide you know VoIP software, uh, not unlike you know Zoom or or Teams. Um, but I guess their special sauce was uh, a virtual PBX, so playing nice with kind of legacy um, phone systems. Um, but anyways, this this breach was pretty interesting. Um, it looks like it was a a supply chain attack uh, from from some North Korean hackers um, who actually were able to exploit uh, one of uh, 3CX's uh, Git repos, put some malware into one of their updates, um, and then actually have those updates get downloaded by their customers and deployed to their customers' uh, clients. Um, it was really interesting, They the way they did it the malware actually didn't cause any issues as far as the VoIP system operating. So it still is operating normally, um, but it actually started to get caught by some of the EDR providers like Sentinel One, Sophos and CrowdStrike. And they were actually showing up as uh, as malware alerts, um, which, was, which is pretty nutty. And then the customers um, started to report that to 3CX and 3CX just did a terrible job of uh, responding to it. Uh, it seemed that they thought that it was a false positive. They didn't really take it seriously. Uh, they told customers to talk to their endpoint providers. Um, and it took them about a week before they admitted there was actually an issue. So it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. And, and Christoph, before we go into the issue and the remediation and your opinions on that, so just so everybody understands, this breach was done by a group from the government of North Korea, the Lazarus group, right? And they are like, this is an entire government that's taking credit for this breach. So why, why are governments attacking private companies you know, what's going on here and why is this happening? And and even more so, why are they named groups, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, the name, the, the name groups is all about getting your hacker cred, right? You know, mm-hmm. eventually this is going to be attributed to someone. And, you know, if you're, if you're a Lazarus, you want to, you know, get your cred out there. Um, but as far as the targets, it's, it, it really ties back to data, uh, which makes, which makes targets valuable. So in this case, they're still looking into it, but my understanding is um, 
these phone systems, uh, one thing I saw was they're used by a bunch of cryptocurrency firms. Uh, so there may have been a play there to um, actually take over some of those crypto wallets that might be managed by those cryptocurrency firms. Hmm. Um, and then another thing I saw when I was reading about it um, were there was a lot of managed service providers. So if you're a managed service provider and you're deploying the, the 3CX phone client on all of your customers' environments, um, you know, you could potentially have exponentially more data that you could compromise and uh, exfiltrate from all those different customers versus, you know, just targeting one company. Um, it's pretty interesting. And and so these these government groups are trying to get data out of a PBX system and a VoIP system what do you like? I, I know you mentioned the cryptocurrency part, but are they actually trying to steal or listen in on the calls that are happening? Like, is it is it more about yeah, obtaining? Yeah, no, the... that's a really good question. Um, my understanding is they're actually using those as a pivoting point. So they're using the phone system with the malware. So install the malware on the phone system client uh, that's installed on your PC use that to then exploit it and get a foothold into your environment and then actually pivot over and target other systems. So it wasn't oh, really gosh. phone data that's of value, uh, but you know any other data that you might have at your company. Um, wow. Once you've pivoted over um, using that exploit, um, you could, you know, in this case, potentially take over, um, you know, someone's laptop or, or workstation um, and then based on the access that that person has, then go and, and exploit other areas. That's pretty crazy that they, because it goes into their customers' data and stills, or they potentially could steal all that. I mean, that's just, that's pretty insane. Yeah. And using, you know, like a managed service provider as like your malware distributor in this case. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's happened before. It's it's actually one of those, those, um, popular strategies, right? If I compromise one person who's then going to send this over to a hundred different clients, um, mm -hmm. install it on all of their machines for you, um, oh you know, it gets your, your kind of target base that much bigger. This is what just scares me about software in general right now, right? You hire a product, you bring it into your environment, and I'm reading on 3CX website, 12 million plus active users, right? 12 million people across multiple, probably all enterprise companies or mostly enterprise, right? Now, this government has an entryway into your network where they can then deploy a, a number of attacks that you as a small business or medium-sized business probably aren't prepared or equipped to handle. And they've just taken over you know, a huge amount of enterprises across a space where you hired this product you know, for phone, probably not thinking about it as something that is you need to like really vet or be concerned about when you brought it into your environment. And now your whole environment might be compromised, right? And then, Christoph, tell us a little bit more about what 3CX did, right? And what is the right way to respond to an incident like this? You hit the oh shit button, right? You start realizing that this terrible thing has happened. How should you respond? And then how did 3CX respond? 
Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not easy. I mean, I have the luxury of this not being my company um, and thankfully us not using uh, 3CX. Uh, but in this case, uh, there's a lot of articles out there. The one, the one I was reading actually pointed over to some forums. Um, the 3CX like customer engagement forum where actually customers were going in. This was, you know, a week and a half ago. So say like March 23rd. Um, and and asking 3CX support, hey, my Sentinel One is is putting out alerts that your product is sending out command and control signals. Um, what's going on here? And 3CX basically did about as bad as you could. Um, Shut down either, the forums. <laughs> either ghosting them. Not, not. I guess that could be worse. Um, yeah. But, you know, ghosting them or telling them that they need to reach out to Sentinel-1, you know, this might be a false positive, mm. um, basically staying silent. Um, and then even after um, CrowdStrike uh, attributed it to North Korea, um, it was still another day before they they went out and their CAO posted an alert. Um, and Christoph, feel- really, really quickly for everybody, on the call, what is Sentinel One and what is CrowdStrike? What do they do? Yeah, uh, Sentinel One and CrowdStrike—they're managed uh, endpoint detection and response providers. So uh, you can think of it as like a souped-up antivirus. Um, but essentially, they're monitoring um, data uh, that's being sent uh, from typically from an agent that they have installed on on their machines. Um, So they're monitoring that traffic, um, monitoring activity and looking to uh, help folks uh, respond. Uh, So detect, you know, anomalous activity and then respond based on that. So in this case, they had detected something uh, funky or wrong with the client that had been installed, the 3D, the 3CX client, um, and were alerting their customers about it a week before 3CX um, ended up, did anything about it, which is kind of disheartening. That's super scary. And so that means that, you know, probably a couple weeks, this this organized crime group in North Korea had to attack devices on anybody who had installed this latest update on their networked computers. And what Sentinel-1 did was it managed to saying, hey, some users in your organization, their computers are doing something funky, attacking other computers or whatever, and they're trying to send alerts, which then your CISO or whatnot is then reaching out to this product saying, hey, what is what is happening with your product? And a week goes by and nothing is done. What What could a company like 3CX be thinking? You know, why would they... Why would they not take immediate action? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. It's hard to know like what their internal security maturity was like. Um, so, you know, maybe they hadn't gone through um, test scenarios. So one thing, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a good security practice is to go through and do tabletop exercises. So maybe go through, um, and, and test your communication processes. So 
you know, say we have a supply chain attack, okay, what is our chain of command as far as communicating this out to our customers? You know, they may have been doing that internally and just didn't have uh, a good process to then take that to the next Which level. Is, it's a bad communication plan, right? So yeah. whoever was, so they could have done things differently security-wise for sure, but the way they handled it was bad PR, bad whoever the communications officer was or isn't or whatever, they were not, they didn't handle that well at all. Say, hey, you know, that's it's happened to me at another company that I was at. And I remember when we first found out, we immediately like there was there was this huge group that got together internally that met over the weekend, just push, you know, trying to figure out what is our plan, what are we trying to do? And they immediately went after it. It didn't yep. save the CEO's job at the time. But it it was the right thing to do as immediate as you can. And then, you know, you've got to communicate that one in a press release. You got to communicate that in a, you know, email to your customers and the, you know, what are you doing about it? How are you going to keep them updated? And all of these things that they obviously didn't do. They just kind of like ignored it for a week or two, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, exactly, Chris. I mean, oftentimes these in, in, in cyber, really any, um, you know, any area communications paramount. Um, and it's oftentimes like the kind of basics that, that hold people up and it's not, you know, something super sexy, a piece of technology or, or something that leads to the biggest issues. Um, you know, this one's still unfolding. So we'll see, you know, when it comes to actual uh, attributing data breaches to it, um, you know, it's still too new, I think, to know that. Um, but the damage has been done, even if no data was leaked, the damage for 3CX. I mean, um, I should have mentioned, I actually first found out at, about this from a, uh, a customer of ours who was uh, querying all of their vendors to see if any of them used 3CX um, to kind of assess what the risk might be to them. Uh, which actually I was pretty impressed by. I mean, they did that. That is impressive. Yeah. Within a day, um, which which actually is kind of the fastest uh, downstream vendor response I've seen uh, yet. So, um, you know, that part was actually pretty cool and, and clued me in to look at it closer. So quick and, question. And... Uh, do you mind? Uh, on this particular question, so many people or so many companies you hear data, you know, being breached and it's just become kind of normal, you know, like it's, you, you, you hear it and it's not really like, eh, who cares? Yeah. I'll give you an example. Like Garmin, for example, had this huge data breach, you know, and you can imagine, I mean, it has all of our, my information on there has phone numbers, all kinds of different things just for Garmin. And they, and you know, they, it was a big deal for, they were down for a week or something like that, or a couple of days. I don't remember. They, these people have all my data, I'm sure. And other people's data. But it carries on and like nothing really happened to them that I know of. And, and uh, I still use Garmin. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, so maybe that's just because we're a different type of consumer than a B2B type uh, of company. I don't know. What's, what is the um, repercussions of that from a company standpoint, but also from a customer standpoint, like my data or a company's data is now out there, not just, does that make sense? Like what are the repercussions yeah, yeah. of that? It's definitely true. You know, people are becoming 
numb. You know, I've even experienced yeah. that. I mean, yep. you know, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but like TJX back in like it was 10 or 15 years ago, um, yeah. huge uh, credit card uh, breach. Um, and for years, I wouldn't shop at any, you know, TJ Maxx or TJX. Yeah, you know, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. But, uh, you know, do I still, you know, keep that up? No, you know, time, time can uh, kind of heal, heal wounds, if you will, as far as your reputation. Um, I think B2B is definitely a different beast uh, yeah. than consumers. Consumers are definitely way more forgiving um, than enterprise. Um, so, you know, if, if, if you do any sort of B2B or enterprise business, you know, protecting reputation, vis-a-vis uh, -vis data leaks is 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 huge. Um, big players definitely can recover from it. Um, you know, time will tell what the impact will be for someone like 3CX. Uh, I imagine it's going to be pretty significant um, since there are alternatives. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is one of those interesting things that... Um, that I wonder if it will change over time, if, if at some point we will become less numb um, as these breaches get bigger and more yeah. impactful, or if we'll continue uh, down that, that numbing path. Um, the, yeah, the, the thing that scares me, though, is just like they had an opportunity, like 3CX, to get into your system, right? And so you have no idea. You get rid of 3CX, you say, there, I've solved the problem. I'm never going to use them as again. You have no idea how many other infections are now deployed across your infrastructure with other devices, right? Because that's the whole point, is that they have this opportunity, and especially for people who don't have the Sentinel-1s or other security technology managing their endpoints, they could be deploying all sorts of other stuff into your environment, right? And so it's not like they're gone once you've removed that software. Um, for sure, for sure. And even in this case of of Sentinel One, um, I haven't read all the details, um, but it did look like that they had been at least for a couple of weeks active in those environments. And I think what might have triggered the detection is um, they had set a timer for the malware um, to actually start to actively communicate back to their command and control servers. Um, so say you deploy malware and you say, okay, in one week, I want yeah. you to then kind of activate and start communicating back. And that's when, you know, the malware detection might pick it up. Um, so these, these threat actors are getting so sophisticated where they'll do stuff like that and, and wait. Let until, it live dormant in your system. Yeah. yeah until they have a big, big foothold, you know, it's, um, you know, it's like, it's like an ambush, right. And you, and you, Rather than attacking the enemy as soon as they're right there, you let them all get right in front of you. Kind of like um, a tumor in the head, man. It just kind of grows, you know, these little technical things, you know, and just grabs a hole, and all of a sudden, oh, that's a bad one. But <laughs> so, so you know, going back to like a uh, average user or even a small business, right? Because ultimately, if if anybody on the on the call is listening and and does have three CX software. You know, hopefully they've patched by now and, and gotten off the system or, or taken some sort of action to protect themselves, right? But what else can customers do, right? In a, in a circumstance like this, if you are one of these customers, what kind of steps should you be taking now? Like if, if Christoph, if your company was under a breach like this, what would you have to do as an organization to at least, yeah. 
ensure some degree of security, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Um, obviously, like 100% security is not realistic, right? Like if, if North Korea decides to target you, um, you're in a tough spot. Uh, but yeah. there is a lot you can do. Um, and, and one of the easiest things is to actually think critically about who you do business with and what vendors you use. Um, you know, ask them some questions about, you know, what their security program and protocols are, are like, um, do some due diligence. Uh, obviously, they still, you know, could um, be attacked. Um, but get a sense for, do does this vendor, do, do these partners uh, take security seriously? Um, have they taken precautions? Um, and do you have confidence that, you know, if they were attacked, that they would actually com communicate um, and have those, those open channels of communication? Um, because even if they've got great protections, um, as we alluded to before, if they don't have those communication channels, uh, you know, your response could be undermined uh, by something as trivial as that. Got it. Yeah. And, and when you experience a breach like this, right, if you were part of this, and let's say there is something in your system, what do you have to do as an end user when you when, when something like this affects you, right? Are there softwares? Are there like technologies? Do you just say like burn everything and start from scratch, right? <laughs> Even then you got to log into the system or whatever, different systems, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, if you're hopefully you've got a security partner, like we mentioned, um, CrowdStrike, Sentinel One, um, those type, and and if you've subscribed to their endpoint detection and response, they'll have um, like breach support services. Um, cyber insurance is another uh, good path, uh, where if you do have a breach, um, you can they'll connect you with like a breach coach. There's actually professionals out there who very cool. Um, really, all they do is help to uh, see. There's guide, a ton of them. Guide of out there. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of be breaches, so there's a lot of breach coaches. Um, but they can help guide you through um, a scenario like this. Um, and then obviously, you know, working with the vendor. So like in this case, three uh, CX. Um, their guidance was to start using their web client. So they have a web uh, application um, yep. that uses a completely different infrastructure. So it wasn't compromised. Um, so in that case, you could pivot all your users immediately over to that and main maintain some continuity, right? Because depending on your business, if you don't have phones, phone, yeah, <laughs> you could be spot, right if your business is a call center or something like that. Um, so I think that's really key is to think about business continuity as well in tandem with your recovery of, you know, mitigating uh, the actual uh, compromise. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. It's a whole discipline of um, incident response and breach uh, management and recovery. Um, definitely a challenging discipline. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is so wild to me. And, you know, I just want to say it's pretty amazing that your vendor heard about this, you know, not to talk too much about your work, but then reached out to you as a vendor of theirs and checked if you had this software, right? That's some pretty impressive due diligence uh, on that customer's behalf, right? Yeah, um, well, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, that ties back to your question, right? So like having good communication with your vendors, um, luckily, you know, we have those channels, like I, they reached out to me on Friday and we were able to chat about it. Um, but at first I was like, what the heck are these guys asking about? I had never heard of three CX. Um, so yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed by, um, the maturity of their vendor management and vendor risk pro program. Um, which is another, you know, huge way to get in front of some of these risks. Um, you know, analyze your vendors, uh, review, you know, do some of the boring stuff, review their SOC 2 reports, their ISO 27001 certificates, um, yeah. all Important, that stuff. I guess. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does matter. Um, you know, and that's not to say that folks couldn't, couldn't be, you know, breached even if they have that stuff. Um, but it gives you um, a certain level of confidence uh, that you might not otherwise have. The thing that's crazy for me is I just feel like, you know, I'm a technical person. I like, I like, I work in the space. I'm completely overwhelmed by all of this, right? Yeah. I think yeah. of like, I'm starting to like look around my home and I'm like, <laughs> man, have I updated and patched my router? Like, what are the, you know, all these things that I'm sure you have to think about as a professional on a daily basis. If, if big organizations are running into these problems, are we just completely screwed as individuals? Like, is there any hope for us, for those that don't have an endpoint protection or malware service? Like, what are we up against? And then furthermore, the thing that keeps running through my mind is we're in this work from home world now. You yeah. know, how the heck do we, you know, I understand that some of the stuff that we put on our devices to better monitor this stuff, but at like the network in the perimeter of the of the employee, how do you even think about that? Yeah, um, I think a lot of the same principles that you apply in your work life can apply in your personal life. Um, just it's just a different scale, right? So you know, if we're talking about you know a small or medium business, say maybe it's like a thousand employees, right? They're going to be limited in how much they can respond to North Korea attacking them. The same applies to you as an individual, but there's still a lot you can do, right? So, you know, if you're running a old Windows XP computer that you've got in your closet, uh, maybe it's time to, you know, toss that thing in the dump and get something new. Um, so basic like security hygiene is huge. Just, you know, set auto updates on your machine. Um, Use multi-factor authentication on all of your accounts. Use a password manager. Uh, yes. Stuff like that, uh, <laughs> can go a long way towards, um, you know, mitigating a lot of the risk. Um, and then also, you know, don't reuse your passwords, obviously. So like any, any threat actor, at the end of the day, they want to get something of value. Um, so, you know, if they compromise your personal machine, what they're going to get of value is what you're actually using that machine for. So, you know, maybe getting into your bank account or pivoting access to your work computer. Um, so definitely, you know, don't reuse credentials across systems because that's one of the, um, the easiest ways they could do that. You know, if your Windows password's the same as your Hotmail password, um, <laughs> not a great idea. So you're telling me that my family friend who doesn't trust online banking is probably safer than me. 
<laughs> only writes checks and gets paper statements. Getting their money is oh, harder. I, I thought you were going to say, uh, you know, their all their money's under their uh, under their mattress. Then I'd say probably not. No. <laughs> um, Chris, any more questions on your end? I think this is super interesting. Like we we have so much to learn from you, Christoph, in this space. Um, these updates on recent events are just they're insightful, but also terrifying. I, I feel like a little unsafe right now. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, yeah. I do too. And it's 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 like you mentioned that you could be as safe and secure as you know, a company, let's say, could be super safe, taking all the precautions. So maybe three CX did, and and maybe they didn't do anything that you wouldn't have done. Maybe they're doing everything that you're doing at your company or. Our, our company, but if uh, if if they want to go after you, they're gonna break into it, right? And so that's what they did with this company. And what you're telling me is, if they go after you, you're probably screwed. <laughs> you know, like yeah, you, this you is you gonna happen. Are. So <laughs> what it tells, are, go ahead. But um, but the one thing I would say is, um, you need to you need to limit the value of what. This, the same kind of principle, right? So if they come after you, um, you know, you want to limit what what they have of value. So, you know, don't have, you know, all of your customer data in a unencrypted database uh, that everyone has access to, right? So that, you know, when someone gets in the door, they then, you know, get the, uh, the gold mine, if you will. Um, jump through hoops to go get it. Yeah, make it harder. Um, that's essentially really all you can do is at, at every you know step of the game make it harder for them, um, and then you know, and either you'll eventually you'll 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 find them and get them out of your systems, or uh, they'll give up and and go find an easier target. Yeah, I like that. That's great advice to really, I think, conclude. I mean, Christoph, uh, this is really good. Thank you so much for coming, Michael Burke. Thanks again, as usual. I'm Chris Detzel and I'm Michael Burke. It's another Data Hurdles. Have a great day, guys. Happy Friday. Thanks, everyone. Bye.